Bigs. Bigs time. Bigs. With Molly and Haw. Bigs time. The Bigs Report with Brad Bigs. Bigs time. Bigs. His name is Brad Bigs. Brad Bigs talks football with you. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Brad Biggs, the football man of the Chicago Tribune, a longtime contributor to the station and a valued friend. And he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline, Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Big Zay! Morning, Brad. Morning, boys. What's going on? Well, apparently there's some exit interviews, and apparently at least one of the many people who spoke yesterday, uh, one Justin Jones, talked about, you know, a couple of issues, a couple of uh, ideas that players were not overly happy about the communication, and it was really interesting. I, I'm not sure. I, listen, you, you lose 10 games in a row. It's not all seashells and balloons, but he talked about the idea that uh, there was a lot of, um, of of things that needed to be said, that there was uh, frustration among players and that uh, they had things they had to correct as a team. And he felt that, uh, that the constructive criticism from the players could have helped the coaches yesterday. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting as well because and, and we had heard, you know, the coaches at least talk about um... – the relationship that they had with the players earlier this season. I can recall multiple instances uh, where defensive coordinator Alan Williams would refer to it being a uh, coach-player, player-coach relationship, right? And he, and he said it specifically that way where it was like, hey, you, you know, you need us and we need you. And they seemed to uh, project the idea that uh, – the communication was was top shelf. Uh, now maybe some players felt that it was. Uh, not all. I, I don't. I don't know. Uh, but Justin Jones' uh, comments were certainly uh, interesting. I, I think uh, they're probably natural, right? You get a team that piles up uh, 14 losses and and runs the table in the final 10. There is going to be uh, frustration in the room, you would think. So uh, something uh, that uh, hopefully turns into a positive for a lot of people, you know, I mean, let's, let's be real. Um, many of these players will not be back on the team next season, but if you have multiple uh, players and multiple veterans kind of sending the same message, perhaps it's something the bears will uh, consider uh, to some degree anyway. Yeah, I think that's interesting Brad because you, you don't want to you don't want to take away the possibility or you don't want to take away what the positive what he said. Holding people accountable is a good thing. If he is part of this next year, who knows, then you want a guy like that in the locker room. The public nature of it was a little surprising just on the heels of what else we heard. That takes us to last night's game, the National Championship game. The defensive line will be in a state of upheaval this offseason for the Bears. Jalen Carter will be one of those players that if they trade down, they probably don't want to trade down far enough to where you might miss out on a a position maybe to draft him or Will Anderson. Let's talk with Carter last night. What have you heard talking to people about 
just um, what his upside is, and we saw last night some evidence of that. He was dominating. Yeah, he played he played a, a completely different game than he had against Ohio State in the semifinal game, right? The you watched him in that against the Buckeyes a little more than a week ago, and you were not real impressed. Uh, last night, certainly better. Um, maybe the uh, TCU line isn't quite as good, but I don't know. He uh, he popped a heck of a lot more in that dominating uh, Bulldogs win last night. So he's a guy that you got to look at it. Those players, those disruptive interior defensive tackles are scarce. Okay, there's not a lot of not a lot of them walking around on the planet. Um, and, you know, you can, you can tick off names of some of the better ones in the league. And there's just, there's, it's another one of those spots that there's not enough of them to go around. Uh, the bears would love to have a, a top guy in there. Eberflus has called that the uh, engine to the defense. You know, people talk about plugging this weak side linebacker position and, and how that's the, you know, most critical po- position on the defense, and and they just couldn't be further uh, from the truth. It's it starts on the line. It starts with that three technique. You're going to prioritize, in my opinion, an edge rusher before you will that uh, off the ball linebacker also. So, you know, Jalen Carter will be in the mix uh, to be picked uh, somewhere. You would think high in the first round. We're we're awful. Awful early uh, in the process. Let me put it to you this way. Um, It's as if we're at week one here, kicking off the season, and we're kind of looking ahead uh, to the Super Bowl. That's how far off the draft is right now. Yeah, and and I think that it's going to be a ton of fun to consider all the possibilities because the Bears have the top pick. They are on the clock, and – that includes the idea of trading down and, as David said, uh, moving down, maybe still ensuring yourself one of those two great defensive players that look to be at the top of the draft. But you gotta, you got to go through the, your, your due diligence and find out if there's a guy or two that aren't as well-received but are going to be kind of pretty good players in the NFL. We've certainly seen that happen quite a bit. Um, so you – you know, there's there's just a world of possibility as to um, as to what the Bears can do. I would imagine that they're not going to take a quarterback, uh, and that therefore that would mean if indeed a quarterback pops, if there's a a clear number one, a number two type thing, that could allow them to move down. And uh, you know, I, I mean, even you think about it, Houston needs a quarterback. Like if you are threatening to trade that pick to someone else, you might try to get them involved in it. Right. And that's how you would get a larger offer for your pick. Right. Is you've got multiple uh, teams involved or someone's coming up from, you know, a ways away. I don't know if you want to trade from one, one, which is where the bears are right now to let's just say, uh, Ron Rivera and the commanders who are in the middle of the round. You're going to get all sorts of other picks and stuff, but are you going to get an impact player? Um, 
in the middle of first, the first round. I don't know. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to hear Ryan Poles talk today, and I'm sure uh, he's not going to rule anything out. Um, of course not. I think he'll speak in probably a pretty broad terms, but I'm curious to, you know, listen to what he has to say about year one, because while some believe that this, um, there's folks out there that think that this plan has gone like just the way the bears could have designed it. And I'm looking at that and I, I just can't believe people think that way. If, if, um, if that was the case, why would you trade the 32nd pick in the draft for Chase Claypool? Right. Right. I mean, that, that's what that's what they did back before the deadline is they trade that pick to the Steelers. Well, that pick is now 32nd overall. Um, if the Bears could undo that, I, uh, if they had a do-over, I would think that that is something they would um, redo. They're going to hope that Claypool is significantly better along with every other element of their passing game in 2023. Uh, but... Yeah, they, I get the excitement of the having the top pick, and it opens up a world of possibilities. The second pick would have would have provided just about the same thing. But um, man, this uh, this roster needs a, a world of work, and and I'm very curious to listen to what Poles has to say about how he's going to go about that now that they've got the teardown portion. Uh, of his job complete. All right, Brad. So it's about 15 weeks until the draft. So we're we're week one. So of the of the season countdown, we are week one until the draft. So we're a little bit closer than waiting for the Super Bowl. But your point is well taken. We have a long way to go. And I wonder what you think about this in terms of evaluating all these guys and making all these deals. Ian Cunningham is Ryan Poles' right hand man, and reports this morning uh, that the Titans and the Cardinals want to interview the assistant general manager for the Bears. How much? input do you think he has had over the last year where does polls end and ian cunningham begin and how big of a loss would that be yeah i think he's had a lot of input i think he's had a lot of input you know you're talking about um two younger executives that have come up through uh successful organizations and and cunningham spent time in philadelphia and baltimore uh so two sharp guys that have seen things done a little bit differently uh and so they're able to kind of collaborate and bounce things off one another you know real early in the interview process for these other teams but for him getting two calls i guess you're not surprised and uh i'm sure polls would be ecstatic for him if he if he were to get a job but um you know ryan polls brought also brought uh trey cozio from kansas city with him uh, who's uh, a co-director of uh, player personnel, along with Jeff King, who the Bears have had for a while, who's well-regarded, former tight end in the league. Um, so they've got a uh, – I think they've got a group in place where they'll they'll feel confident moving forward if um, one guy were to get uh, the opportunity of a lifetime in, in Ian Cunningham. Um. Is there any is there any uh, kind of uh, free agent list that you would put together to give you an outline going into the draft? In other words, you'll have a chance to 
to load up a little bit with some guys. Do you anticipate that to be, you know, they got a lot of money. Does that mean they're getting, they're, they're, they're shopping in a different aisle than they did uh, last year where they were just kind of at a budget store? Do you expect them to try to add some big ticket items? Could they, could they deal with uh, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman or something like that? You know, uh, you know, we know Orlando Brown is out there, Jack Conklin, McClinchy. I mean, they, they could probably get a big-time offensive line repair before they get into whether or not they want to, you know, try to do something at defensive tackle before they do something in the draft. Yeah, I, they're definitely shopping in a different – forget a different aisle. They're at, they're at a different mall, okay? <laughs> they, they're, 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 going, they're going to a completely different mall um, than they were at last year. And, um, you know, they ended up having to take back the one item, Larry Ogunjobi, and return it uh, to the store for, for store credit because they, they didn't like uh, the, way, the way that went. So, yeah, I think when you talk about what are they going to be doing, I, I, you've got to be looking um, – you've, you've got to be looking in the trenches. You've, you've got to be looking um, – at offensive linemen, at, at defensive linemen. Jack Conklin re-upped with the Browns. I know McGlinchey's going to be out there. I he, I think he's more name than, like, big-time player, hmm. and he's definitely had some durability issues. He might get paid, but um, I if you bring him in as your right tackle and, and they need a right tackle, uh, I, I don't know that he sort of transforms – your offensive line, maybe I haven't talked to people about McGlinchey recently, but I know in the past that they, you know, nobody was really blown away uh, by what he had done with the 49ers defensive tackle. If Duran Payne of the commanders makes it to the marketplace, he's going to make an absolute uh, fortune and the bears would have to be involved uh, in that. Uh, but he's young. He I mean, get he's fairly young, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. 20, 25 or 26. Yeah. yeah. He, now he's going to get over. I mean, he'd be overpaid, but you got to get somebody there. And he's coming off a terrific season where uh, he had been a, a, a very stout run defender and he got the pass rush going this year, you know, so he became more of a complete player. Uh, again, I don't know if he's going to uh, make it to the market. So, Brad, we heard from Justin Fields for the final time yesterday at his locker, and he talked about a variety of things. One of them was what role he might play, if any, in terms of recruiting free agents, talking to uh, Ryan Poles about what's next. How involved do you think he will be in these kind of decisions and, and will be consulted or add his input, and how much should he be if, uh, if that's even uh, something that they would consider doing? Well, if, you, if uh, he's got a pre-existing relationship with somebody and they think he can make a phone call and like, hey, you know, sell the guy on this place, that's a great idea. Um, Justin Fields should not be involved in personnel decisions. He shouldn't be involved in draft decisions. Um, you know, the GMs do that stuff. The coaches coach and the players play. And um, 
you, you maybe take some input from different groups, uh, certainly in that process, but I don't think you involve your year three quarterback in, um, in player procurement. It, it just, it doesn't work that way. Who, who, you know, what kind of, um, what kind of scouting are you anticipating in terms of how, I don't know how many uh, visits you're allowed. You're only allowed to bring a certain number of players into your facility, right? It's only a few guys. Um, but they, 30, you, yeah, you get 30 guys you can bring in. Yeah, you get, you get 30. You think it's, it'll be called the top 30 visit because you only get 30 of them. Yeah. So, and there's different philosophies that teams use with the bears having the pick where they are. You would think anyone that they are considering with that round one pick will be brought in to house hall. Okay. And then, so is that a group of six players? Is that a group of eight players? I don't know. Uh, then, Maybe a couple other uh, mid-round type pro- prospects, especially if you've got a guy that, you know, what we want to we want to know a little bit more about the knee issue he had, or the ankle, or the shoulder, or whatever. So it's a good good chance to get uh, questions answered that pop up from medical issues with players, and then, you know, from there. A lot of times what teams will do, and again, it depends on where they're picking in round one and what they want to do with those higher caliber prospects. But a lot of times teams actually use these top 30 visits, guys, to recruit potential undrafted free agents. So you bring in a guy and you kind of, it's like a, uh, it's like a college visit, actually, you know, you're selling them on the facilities and the coaches and that sort of thing. So if the guy doesn't have his name called during the draft, you know, you've maybe established a little bit of a rapport with them where you might be able to uh, bring him in as an undrafted free agent. And oftentimes teams will have, you know, eight, they'll, they'll use a third of their top 30 visits for players of that nature um, to, to try to, get ahead in that process, believe it or not. Quickly, Brad, Tevin Jenkins said yesterday he exceeded his own expectations this year. What do you think about that comment, and do you think he's part of the starting line uh, moving forward? Yeah, well, they need so much work on the offensive line, and he definitely showed the ability to flash, so I certainly imagine he's part of the starting uh, unit that they want to develop going forward. And, and he played very well at times, and he adapted uh, to a new position. But, uh, guys, he uh, he's, has not proven to be durable uh, in the least here. And so that's something that's going to require some time for Tevin to, uh, to, to make that happen. And, and, shoot, he's a former second-round pick going into year three. I mean, this is a massive year for Tevin Jenkins personally, if he can show up and establish that durability thing and and be accountable uh, every Sunday. He's going to do a lot for himself uh, moving forward. I don't think there's any question about that. But the the one reason that you'd have a little bit of concern is, number one, you know, we know about the back history 
Uh, and once a guy has a back issue, you, you that's always sort of in the forefront of your mind for a player. But but then he's had the hip, he's had the the stinger thing. You know, it, it's not just one thing with him. So uh, hopefully, he can get a little bit a little bit stronger and uh, get on the field and stay on the field next year. But uh, when he flashed, what you saw was was high level from Tevin Jenkins. Great stuff, Brad. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up. Thanks, Brad. Have a great day, guys. We'll be talking to Brad uh, all along, trying to figure out all this stuff. It's kind of fun. Well, 15 weeks till the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super Bowl. (laughs) 15 weeks. Wow. 312-644-6767. It's Molly and on the score. Any disappointment that you have an opportunity to break Mark Jackson's record? Yeah, but, you know, I'm... It's a rushing record and quarterback, so, I mean, of course, it would have been cool to have, but, you know, I'm not really into records like that. You know, if there was one right record I'd like to break, of course, I'd be a passing record, so uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get that done here in the near future, but, you know, just, again, just trying to focus on, you know, getting better as a player, getting better player as a quarterback, and getting better as a teammate. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 6-7 to the score. Very interesting to hear Justin Fields, uh, could have had that record, needed, what, 64 yards, something like that, and uh, doesn't break that record. His finishes with the second-best rushing season ever by an NFL quarterback, doesn't play in the season finale. But really, it would have been cool to have that record. Oh, yeah. But you want passing records. That's a good answer. Really good answer. Uh, yeah, he wanted to make history, but he did make an impression. That was the takeaway. This year, he emerged as a guy that has a special set of skills that you kind of sense that he did have, but when you prove it on the field like, like he did, you can work with that. And I, I'm curious to see how Ryan Poles addresses that and that emergence today at 1030. Right here on the score, his press conference will be carried live. Molly, we talked to Big, Big Z about the recruiting aspect mm-hmm. of Justin Fields' offseason, how involved he might be. I asked it because I'm curious, you know, what players think about their responsibility when – Justin Fields, on one hand, talks very openly, this is my team. So he was asked yesterday, what about it? It's already my team. That ownership is what you want. So how, where does that extend to, though? Do you, want to, do you want to be part of the conversation when you talk about free agent wide receivers and linemen or whatever? Or do you think that as a player, that's not his role and he should be left out of it. Just curious. Yeah, what well, didn't we didn't we go after Derrick Rose because he wasn't recruiting and he didn't do a good enough yeah, job recruiting? Yeah. Just I, saying, I I mean I don't I don't think you or I ever went after him, but I heard that. Oh sure. That was the is the NBA a little different that way? Maybe maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I, I wonder it is. but I but I, I think it's I think I, I liked it when he said that if he was asked, he would give his opinion. And I like the idea of him being willing rather than being more reticent. You know, I like guys who want to get involved. You want guys who take that initiative. That's what leadership's about. So, right. I, and, but, but I know what Biggs is saying, too. It's like, you don't want to talk to your young quarterback about personnel decisions. And, and I have to say, reading the reports from Arizona yesterday, I cringed when I read that ownership will consult Kyler Murray on the next head coaching candidate. Why? Kyler Murray's the reason they're blowing things up. Well, maybe that's why. Maybe mm. they don't want him blowing up the next administration. Maybe, Fair enough. Fair enough. Know, and, and oftentimes, you know, when you consult someone, you like you share opinions, you talk to them, you get their take, and you kind of you steer them 
into making we're all making this decision together yeah. and we're hiring this guy because this is the great idea great board. idea yeah don't you think we should do this yeah. yes great idea that yeah. was yours you can claim yeah. that there yeah you go. yeah there you go. collaborate collaboration oh boy cooperation don't start, don't start. no but i i think that okay kyler murray is is maybe different he has been somebody who has established a reputation for being somewhat mm-hmm. petulant and and we, that's not what we're talking about in Justin Fields' case, I do think that what you just said is why I think it's valuable. You have somebody, if you are leaning into him as your leader, and you do believe in him as your franchise quarterback, there's value in having him take ownership of some of these decisions that are made or player moves that are made in terms of just his input and having that collective leadership expressed. Let him be a part of the consensus that you're building. Yeah. Don't don't exclude him from that, but also don't listen to a word he says. Well, I'm kidding, uh, but, but am I? Um, you're he, you're not you're not letting his opinion necessarily yes. outweigh others who are yes. professionals whose job it is to make those kind of determinations and negotiations and all those kinds of things. It's a very tricky thing, but let's 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 also talk about it in the context of what we heard from Justin Jones. If players want to be heard, if players feel like there's a breakdown in communication, as Justin Jones indicated, this kind of thing can be healthy for a football team to have the assumed leader, the unquestioned leader in that locker room. If there's an understanding that he has a voice in the general manager's office, that's a good thing. That can resonate. 312-644-6767. Let's get to John. John's in Orland Park. Hey, John. Hey, good morning, guys. Uh, listen to you guys every day. I just wanted to give a quick comment. Um, I don't think we're given enough at time. I don't know if it's uh, our fault as fans or media, but we need to look, I think, a little bit more after seeing Justin's uh, strengths and weaknesses over the last couple of years and uh, look and not just forget about the quarterback conversation in the draft because I'm just really not sure yet. And we're talking about him being a team leader right now. He may be a team leader, but he hasn't won anything yet. I mean, he hasn't shown that he can be above 500 quarterback. And I seen very vulnerable instances when I watch him play, when he's contained of his passing ability, his accuracy and looking at the right person to pass to. So I'm just not sure we should avoid the conversation of looking at like the best quarterback in the draft. And maybe he's worth a draft pick or something like that, where we can, we can enhance ourselves at the quarterback position and get another player by maybe, you know, trading, you know, Justin, if we can get something better. Thanks, John. Appreciate the phone call. I don't think you're trading Justin Fields. I don't think you're trading Justin Fields. I understand what you, I understand what you, you're saying. I mean, you say that he hasn't proven he can be better than a 500 quarterback. He hasn't proven he can be a 500 quarterback. <laughs> he, and that really is more about the team around him. What is he, 5-20 and 20 as a starter or something like that? Yeah, it, it's, it is hard to win in the NFL. And you know, I, I know we talked about the Bears turning it around. They, they had three wins this year. Uh, can they get to nine? That, that's Dustin's goal for next season, somehow be in the playoff mix. If they are, then the coach is one game over 500 as opposed to um, – for one season as opposed to 
10 games, whatever I, it is, I, 11 games under. I'm just saying. I know. Even if you win next year, I, you're still 10 games below 500. It's just I, I think this most, one leaves a mark. It does. But I think one of the most inaccurate measurements in the NFL, I don't say pro sports, but is when we assign – one loss records to starting quarterbacks. And I totally agree with you. And, and by extension, I think that sometimes we overstate what it means for a quarterback to be part of a team that wins a Super Bowl championship and what that does to his legacy. Sometimes he's a passenger. Sometimes he's a driver. Yeah. In more cases than not, he's the driver. But I think sometimes we exaggerate what that means. So why is that important here, what we just heard? Because I think that Justin Fields being 5-20 and 20 doesn't really reflect how far he has come as an NFL quarterback, there are so many factors involved. When you look at that offensive line, which was a mess, when you look at the wide receivers who were not threatening anybody, could not get open, you can't really, you can't really say Justin Fields is 5-20 and 20 because the, it's an inaccurate picture that it paints. I, I, don't, I don't think you can trade him because I don't think you want to do that. And I don't think you can move on from him yet. I think you have to see it through. Don is on the road. Hey, Don. Yeah, good morning. Uh, I have two quick comments. Uh, first of all, in terms of free agency, um, I don't think any team has ever had this much cap space. And when I was observing the free agency market last year, there were teams with probably a third, maybe even a quarter of what the Bears have who were making some significant moves. So I would think you might be looking at picking up six to seven possible starters out of free agency. And then in terms of the draft, I would be thinking you might be able to theoretically trade down twice and still stay in the top six, maybe seven picks. You could do that. I think theoretically is a good word to use. We talked about that yesterday. If you trade down from first to second with the Texans, fine. Go to second to seventh, like you're suggesting, John. Good, Good call. Nice thought. I do think you're exaggerating if you think you can get seven starters in free agency. I think that's a bit much, Molly. Don't you think that's? A tall ask. Yes. Seven starters. Oh, come on, I mean that's that. It'd be great, but are they spending every penny? I, I, I mean, you have to save some for extensions. Yeah, you've got Jalen Johnson. You're likely to go to at some point. You've got um, other contracts that may come up and guys you want to extend. Uh, Darnell Mooney is at some point going to get paid, right? Isn't he somebody who would be on that list? So they're there's a lot of money that they have, but there's it's going to go quicker than you think. And to expect seven starters to come from free agency might be a bit much. Tom Thayer yesterday surprised me when he said that you could go into this draft thinking that you could get five starters out of the draft. I don't know if he meant immediately, but I think that that's even ambitious. We're talking about double-digit starters between the draft and free agency for a team that is the worst in the NFL right now. So maybe that's not unrealistic and maybe that's necessary, but boy, does that show you just how far the Bears have to go. 312-644-6767. Dino is in Crown Point. Hey, Dino. Guys, how you, <clears throat> excuse me, how you doing? Um, I always call you with the White Sox. This is my first Bears call. Looking at the Bears, studying the Bears over the years, watching them, watching their hires, I truly think the problem with them, and I don't—it's it's a comment that I'm going to make. I don't think we can expect much of them as long as ownership still stays intact with the McCaskies. I don't think there's 
football savvy as many of the other other owners are. Hmm. Well, I de- I think that's a, a a common refrain you hear from Bears fans at this time of year. Uh, sell the team, change the owners, and everything will be just fine. Let's uh, this off season reserve judgment because it's a long off season. It's significant in many ways. One of the first steps necessary is to hire a team president. If they hire the right guy, I think a lot of that cynicism will start to shift a little bit, Molly. There'll be some positivity if they hire Kevin Warren because of his qualifications. Yeah, I I really hope that they hire the right guy (laughs) for that position because if they don't, I think that's going to be a real drag. It's going to start with with kind of a bummer, uh, frankly, the offseason. We've got Coach Wanstead joining us next. We're going to talk to him about uh, team construction, putting together a team, what's it like to have the first overall draft. He's been through it a couple of times in his career, and we'll uh, break it down next with Coach Wanstead. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Dave Wanstead, Bears head coach for six years. The Bears. The Bears. Super Bowl champion. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Great mustache. Some say it's a symptom of manliness. Others a cause. The mustache. Wani, hanging out with Molly and Hawn. Open up the door. It's Dave. Who? Dave. D-A-V-E. Dustin, I, we're not going to waste airtime on that, okay? Thank you. Next question. <laughs> Thank you. Next question. Thank you Next very question. Much. Dave Wanstead. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Always a delight to talk to Coach Wanstead, and he joins us now on the Signature Bank Score hotline. And, of course, uh, it Signature Bank making commercial banking personal. Dave, good morning. How are you, sir? What's up, Dave? Coach can't hear us. Bad connection. Uh, we're having a uh, we'll reestablish. Yeah, we got to reestablish with Dave. He's down in Florida now, I believe, for a few days down there. I think you talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we'll take in the playoffs on Saturday down in Naples. Hopefully, we we'll re- reconnect with Dave. Good morning, Dave. You there? He's not there yet. Okay, Just relax, Dave. <laughs> Give the man a second. We're having a little. Uh, I saw the light go on. Yeah, you got a little too excited. Um, yeah, I, I think it's. Um, I think it's just a simply a time of year where you can go look in on the house, see how things yeah. are going, and then uh, and then enjoy the playoffs because uh, God knows we all are planning on enjoying the playoffs this go round. News this morning: Jalen Carter, the Georgia defensive tackle we were talking about, made it official. He went on Twitter. And in the middle of the night, basically, in the wee hours of the morning, declared for the NFL draft. So this was uh, something everyone expected. He is the number one player on Mel Kuyper's big board. Is he really the number one player? Yes. That was the last big board that I saw from Mel Kuyper. He is the number one player. Mel Kuyper doesn't typically rank players based on what the value is or what teams need is strictly traits driven right yeah so he's looking at the traits for an nfl prospect and based on that that criteria jalen carter is mel kuyper's number one overall player in in 
for the NFL draft in April, which is uh, says a lot about the potential that that young man has. But we have talked quite a bit about this. It is most likely that a quarterback will be the number one overall selection. The value of the position, mm-hmm. and and again, that's not how Mel looks at it, but but uh, the value of the position would seemingly determine that. I believe we have uh, Coach Wanstead. Dave, good morning. How are you? Hey, guys, I apologize. You know, I just discovered that we don't have Wi-Fi yet at my house. You know, that got wiped out by the hurricane. This is the first time down here. And uh, uh, I just assumed that the Wi-Fi would be working, but uh, apparently nothing's working here. So uh, (laughs) I apologize. And and, And then she tells me, I hope you don't have to go to the bathroom when we're here. I said, why? And she says, because we've got no water, running water here. So That's a bigger problem, Dave. I am, uh, Coach, I'm, I'm right now, I'm just trying to. But anyway, I'll tell you what. In Chicago, we got a lot to talk about the next few months, don't we? Yes. Wow. Yeah, this, the Bears, uh, Bears run the offseason. Yeah, yeah. They they do. They do. Absolutely. And uh, uh, it'll be, it'll be uh, different opinions. I mean, we definitely want at some point now to talk about a little draft stuff because this is uh, this is right up his alley, you know. So uh, I'll get Jimmy Johnson to come on at some point, and we'll get his spin on all this. But uh, yeah, uh, let's go. Which way do you want to go? Well, Dave, you know? what? Dra- hey, I got a simple solution. Okay. People want to get rid of Justin Fields, draft uh, Stenson Bennett. Make it real <laughs> easy. No kidding. Right? How about that? That was a resounding statement last night. Dave, let's start with Ryan Poles today. He talks at 1030. What do you expect him to say as far as the Bears' commitment to Justin Fields? Oh, I think he's going to say that they really, you know, like the way that Justin progressed. Uh, I think we find a lot out uh, from the intangibles with Justin Fields, which are critical. And hear what I'm saying? They're critical at the quarterback position. By that, I'm talking about work ethic. I'm talking about leadership in the locker room. I'm talking about toughness. I'm talking about, you know, all those things that go into uh, a successful quarterback. I think we find a lot out about him. So I think Ryan Poles will feel good about that. And and then he's going to move on, I think, real quick to say, hey, we're in the driver's seat. And our phones are open, and we want to hear what everybody has to say. So Yeah, and, and that's the important thing, right, Dave? I mean, you know, you want him saying, hey, we're available, give us a call. And and we know they are available, and, um, you know, we've talked about this before. You could move down a, a spot or two or three and still be able to hopefully get one of these big-name defensive guys out of this draft while picking up more stuff. I, I agree 100%. And and that would be, in my opinion, the ideal situation. You know, the other scenario that you have to cross is, okay, let's say that nobody wants our pick. And you, and everybody's saying, oh, once that's crazy. What do you mean? Let me tell you guys, that happens. Okay? I mean, we... we uh, uh, that has happened. I, 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 I can't get into a couple specific things, but we, you know, we had the first pick of the draft and we needed a quarterback. Uh, Troy Aikman was in our mind, he was the Trevor Lawrence. So we, we went and we drafted Troy. Okay. Uh, 
and we had the second pick a couple years later, and there wasn't not there wasn't a quarterback that was in high demand. I think the first quarterback taken then, I think it was '91, was um, a guy named McGuire out of San Diego State, mm. I believe, 16th, 18th, someplace in that he was drafted. So, but let me tell you, there was a demand for players that were uh, there's always somebody always wants that first pick. But are they going to give you the value that it's worth? And we were in a position then, a little bit maybe like the Bears, that we, we needed uh, a specific position. And we could have traded out of that. Jimmy could have got something for that, no question. But we ended up staying with it because it just wasn't a good enough deal. And we were afraid we would lose the player that we wanted, who was Russell Maryland. So we ended up sitting there and took Russell Maryland. What you're describing so, is... You know, a... And then the other thing that you... Let me let me say this too, then, because I'm giving our listeners a lot to think about, and there are some personnel guys. I don't think Ryan Poles is one of those guys, but I have been around some personnel guys that they don't want to hear about coaches' needs. They want to they they give you the old our we are, we have been evaluating these guys for four years, and we are taking the best available player. Period. If it's an offensive center, we're taking them because. On our board, he is graded that much higher than anybody else. So I'm just throwing out three different scenarios for everybody to think about, but that's the stuff that that goes on behind the scenes, and that's the conversations that take place. All right, Coach, hang on. We want to get into this a little bit deeper. It is uh, Dave Wanstead joining us, Mully and Haw on the score.